Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. What I wanted to do is just to kind of recap a little bit, and I've, I've asked my lovely assistant here to bring a rope. Uh, and Nick... Uh, introduced an analogy last week, but I wanted to kind of push a little bit deeper because I think it's really good. And so I want you to imagine that this rope is, is time, right? This is time, and it's hard because you can't really show time on a rope, but you just kind of use your imagination. Just go there with me tonight and just use your imagination because actually uh, what we're wanting to talk about is a perspective about eternity, and I don't know about you, but life can feel like a long time. My grandparents, that this uh, March, my grandma's turning 90, which is awesome. We're actually born on the same day, which is pretty cool. So on my birthday, she's turning 90, and on her birthday, I'm turning 32. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Thanks. I told someone the other day I was 30, and Caleb's like, you're not 30 anymore. You're actually 31. <laughs> I was like, oops. <laughs> I've already started minusing. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. That's how it works, right? So, but, you know, life can feel like a long time. You know, I don't know, like we've got so much time ahead of us. that I look at 30 years and I'm like, man, if I live to 90, I've got, you know, 58 more years to go, right? That's quite a long time. And I think about things and the thing is that in life, sometimes we can kind of get zoomed in on, on what's going on here and now. I don't know about you, but and when I was at university, I broke my leg, which wasn't great. I was like the third day in my time in Dunedin, and I, I had a broken leg. Not a great situation. Um, but what happened was they said to me, okay, eight weeks in a cast, and then eight more weeks uh, recovery, basically, until I'd be kind of back to, to good, which was hard when I was doing a PE degree. It was like, felt like eternity, right? And, and I remember, you know, every day, like crutching places. I didn't have a car. I was in my first year, just got to a hostel. And all of a sudden, I'm like crutching places. And it just felt like, oh, every day would feel like eternity. And then I, I was on the day before I was scheduled to get my cast off, and I'd got the day wrong. So just imagine with me, I, I'm, at, I'm at the hostel, and I'm like counting down to this Tuesday that I was getting my cast off, and I crutched all the way through the university and all the way to the hospital, which like on your crutches was quite a long way, and I waited in the waiting room, and like nobody seemed to be there. And I was like, oh, so expectant for this day to come when I was going to get my cast off, and it was going to be so nice and bland to have a bath. It was going to be awesome. And then... The lady comes out and says to me, look, I'm really sorry, but you got the day wrong. And I was like, no, like I've come a day early. And in that moment, I actually thought about camping out at the hospital because I was like, I don't want to have to crutch all the way back again and then come all the way back. But that day felt like eternity, you know, because in that moment I was zoomed in on this thing. And it, sometimes it's like that with exams, you know, you're leading up to exams and, oh, the time kind of preparing for something or, or like you're like a little kid. Do you remember back to when it was your birthday and you kind of counted down and you were so excited that it was your birthday that you started using like three quarters and seven eighths and then you couldn't really go any smaller with fractions when you were that age. So you kind of just like, you basically started telling people you were four when really you were only three. 
<laughs> but that's like, for us, sometimes those, these times that we talk about in our lives can feel like such a long time. You know, maybe it's times when, uh, you know, something's happening, a wedding, or you've got a job interview, you're preparing for something, and it just feels like, oh, it's, it takes eternity for that thing to come. But what I wanted to talk to you about is the fact that actually, it's only a tiny, tiny, tiny part in the length of what really is eternity. And if you imagine that this is your life, right, on this piece of rope here, that actually we can be so zoomed in. And as Nick talked about last week, that, you know, we're like here at this middle of our life and we're like imagining the rest of our life and that feels like such a long time. But actually when we keep it in the perspective of eternity, that's like hardly anything, you know. And actually imagine that this is like so much smaller and the rope is so much bigger, Really? Because I can't actually show you. If I did it, the size it be, would be like looking at a tiny, tiny piece. But actually, that for us, we're made for eternity. That that's the life we're going to lead when we come into a relationship with Jesus. We live for eternity. And this is just a small part of it. Our time on earth is just a small part of it. But it's a really important part of eternity. And this evening, I wanted to talk to you about that. I'm going to leave this here so you can kind of refer back to it as you're thinking and listening. But let's uh, go to Ecclesiastes 3. This is the verse we've been talking about. It says this in verse 11, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. See, the thing is, we can't imagine the fullness of eternity, but he's planted something in our heart that there's a longing for eternity, that there's a longing to know him, that there's a longing, and we're yearning for the perfect world that will be restored when Jesus comes back, and that we'll live in that perfect world for eternity. See, he's given us a glimpse of perfection in his creation, but it's only a glimpse Because we can't see into the future and we can't comprehend everything he's got for us. But those things are important. And in the first week, Pastor Tico talked about uh, the the great story of history. That God, uh, rescue mission of God. And see, after the fall, what happened? Adam and Eve were there in the garden and they ate the apple and then sin entered the world. And there was a fall. And after that... God has set in motion a plan for a restoration of his kingdom, a restoration uh, of relationship back to us, that he desired that connection with each one of us. And we focused on the stories of the lost coin and the lost son and the lost sheep. We talked about how important it is lost things matter to God, that they're important and he's uh, devised ways for us to come back into relationship with him. I love in Ephesians 1 verse 5, it says this, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus. How awesome is that? Just stop for a moment and think about that. We get to be a part of God's family and he's designed in advance that we would be able to do that. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. How cool is that? God gave God great pleasure that we would be a part of his family. That's just mind-blowing. 
I think we can't get the fullness of what that actually means until we stand there face to face with him. But the thought that actually he's designed us to be in relationship with him. And we get the same rights and privileges as a biological child. That that's actually what it meant, that being adopted uh, means that because of Jesus' sacrifice, we come into the family of God and we're given the same rights and privileges. And then in week two, Nick expanded on the idea of God's rescue mission and introduced this thought about stewardship. See, he said if life was just about us, then when we were saved, God could take us away immediately. You know, he could take us home and that would be it, right? But he didn't do that. He's left us here on earth after we get saved and he's called us to be stewards of his world. And if you look right in the beginning in Genesis 1, the first book of the Bible, in verse 28, it says this, then God blessed them and he said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea uh, and, and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. See, God designed it that we would have dominion over the earth. That To be master of something is to have authority over it and control over it. And God has got ultimate rule over the earth, but he exercises his authority with loving care. And see, God delegated some of that authority to us. He expected us to take responsibility for his creation. And so for us, we're called to be stewards of what he's given us. And it says in Ephesians 5 verse 10, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. I love that thought, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Like seek after the thing that's going to be pleasing to God. Seek after that, think about it. Find out what it is that pleases God and go after that thing. And we looked about this in the, the parable from, uh, one of the parables from the Sermon on the Mount of Olives, uh, which was the parable of the talents. And lots of you will know this parable already, but it's about three servants who were given talents. Money, there's a five bags and two bags and one bags, and they invest the money. Uh, and as you know, two of them make a return when the master comes back. Two of them have in, uh, developed the money or, or invested the money and grown their talents. But one comes back uh, with nothing. Or well, the, the only one, he says, oh, I knew you to be hard and so I buried it. But actually, we're called to steward the thing. We're called to be like the first two that, that make something work, to, to be able to be entrusting it and to grow something. And I wanted to talk to you tonight a little bit more about this idea of stewardship. And I want to build on it with another parable. Uh, and this parable, if it kind of, uh, if you imagine, who's heard of Zacchaeus? Yeah, anyone who did Sunday school back in the day, you'll know Zacchaeus. He was the dude that climbed the tree to see Jesus. Yeah, he's the one who was really hard to spell his name when you were like trying to put it on the picture that you were drawing in Sunday school, right? But actually Zacchaeus... He, uh, Jesus is telling this story just after he's met Zacchaeus in Jerusalem. And he takes the time to share about the kingdom of God because there's all these people. He's with people, and all the people that he's with are expecting this kingdom to come and this rule to take over that's going to overthrow the Roman Empire. The plan is that they're going to overthrow everything uh, and that the kingdom of God is going to begin right away. And just to give you a little bit of background, so 
You've got the Old Testament and you've got the New Testament. And there's this bit in the middle called the intertestamental period. And it's kind of hard to say. But that's like 400 years, right? And the time of 400 years, uh, it's really a different world. From the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament, we meet back with the people of God in the New Testament. And it's a quite a different world from that which we left at the end of the Old Testament, and so people at the end of the Old Testament, they'd been uh, taken away and captives and they were living in other lands. But actually, some of the people had returned to the promised land and that established a thriving community. But there were other people who hadn't returned and they'd been spread far and wide around uh, the Roman Empire, really. And they were suffering under the suppressive rule of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was very powerful, and they were suffering under that. And they knew that one day a Savior was going to come. They'd heard about that in the Old Testament. And so they're imagining this fulfillment of the Old Testament, the covenants that God had made. They're imagining this rule is going to come and just like wipe out the Roman Empire. It's kind of what some of them are imagining. You know, they're coming and they're believing that this mighty ruler was going to come. And the, the way that they kind of understood rule was someone who had like a massive army and he could take out anyone. And that there was just going to be this powerful overthrowing of the Roman government. But actually, Jesus didn't come like that. And so he's telling this story because he's wanting to teach people what the kingdom of God was really like and how it was going to come and so he shares this story in this context of, of a parable of uh, the miners, the 10 miners. And I want you to come with me to Luke 19, verse 12. We're going to read together. We're going to read a bit, and then we'll talk about it. It says this. So Jesus says, A nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. Before he left, he called together 10 of his servants and divided among them 10 pounds of silver, saying, invest this for me while I am gone. But the people hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we do not want you to be our king. After he was crowned king, he returned and called in the servants to whom they had given the money. He wanted to find out what their profits were. The first servant reported, master, I invested your money and made 10 times the original amount. That's pretty good, right? You got one lot of money and you get 10 lots back. That's a good uh, return on your investment. Well done, the king explained. You're a good servant. You have been faithful with the little I entrusted to you, so you will be governor of 10 cities as your reward. That's a pretty sweet reward. He makes 10 times the amount, and then he gets 10 cities as his reward. That's quite good return. The next seven reported, Master, I invested your money and I made five times the original amount. Well done, the king said, you'll be governor over five cities. But the third servant brought back only the original amount of money and said, Master, I hid your money and kept it safe. Well, that was a good decision. Don't lose it. I was afraid because you're a hard man to deal with, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops you didn't plant. King's pretty harsh. He says, you wicked servant, the king roared. Your own words condemn you. If you knew that I was a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvests crops I didn't plant, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. 
Then he turned to the others standing nearby. The king ordered to take the money from this servant and give it to the one who has 10 pounds. But master, they said, he already has 10 pounds. Yes, the king replied. And to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But to those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. And as for the enemies of mine who didn't want me to be their king, bring them in and execute them here, right in front of me. It's quite an end to the story. But Jesus tells this story to show the people that the kingdom wasn't going to come in the way that they were expecting, that actually it wasn't going to happen right away. That he would have to first go away for a while, and his followers would need to be faithful and productive during his absence. And see, upon his return, then Jesus was going to introduce a kingdom that was even more powerful than they could have imagined. And when we think about this, this parable can be called the parable of the miners. That's another way of saying it. Uh, Miners is a, a unit of money. And so last week, we talked about talent. So just to kind of clarify, a talent is equivalent to 34 kilograms of gold. Uh, and as a currency, it's kind of equivalent to what was 6,000 denarii. That was the, the currency of the time. And if you think about it, one denarii was the same as a day's wages for a, a laborer. So really, you're talking about a talent being kind of 20 years worth of wages for an average person. So a talent's quite a lot of money. In contrast, the pound of gold or the miner was a much smaller amount. It was kind of comparable to about three months' worth of wages. See, the the parables are pretty similar, right? The master goes away and then uh, the servants are called to invest. But the, the difference with this parable is that all of the servants are given the same modest amount. They all get one miner or, or one pound of gold. They, uh, Jesus in this parable is highlighting the importance of faithfulness. The idea of faithfulness. And faithfulness is an interesting concept, right? Because the way that the king responds to the different servants tells us that in the light of eternity, being faithful with what we have on earth is a big deal. That actually the way that the king responds to the different people tells us that what we do here actually matters to God. How we live in this season is important. It's not just this fleeting time that flies past, but actually what God's called us to do is be faithful in this time because it's going to matter in eternity. And that's really important for us to grasp tonight. And the thing is with faithfulness, it's, it's important. I'm going to show you uh, that God thinks that faithfulness is actually really important. We're going to go there in a second. But this is what it says in Luke 19, uh, verse 17. Well done, the king exclaimed. You are a good servant. You have been faithful with the little I entrusted you. So you will be a governor of 10 cities as your reward. So the first servant's commended for his faithfulness. And verse 26, the third servant who didn't use his minor has it taken away. And when they complained, he says, yes, the king replied, but to use to those who use it what they are given well, Use well what they are given. Even more will be given. But from those who are unfaithful, even what little they have will be taken away. So it's not just about faithfulness being uh, the result, but actually unfaithfulness uh, has a consequence too. And 
I don't know about you, but the, the word faithful, I don't know if it kind of, if you imagine someone you think is faithful, what, what picture comes into your mind, right? Because sometimes I, when I think of the term faithful, I think of like this little old lady who, who's made scones in church for like 40 years, you know, and that's just, she's just served faithfully week after week after week. And that's kind of the level that I imagine with faithfulness that, hey, they just kind of kept things going or, or somebody who, who served in kids' church for 30 years. Now that's amazing. And that person is faithful, but I think faithfulness is so much more than that. And I want you to come with me on a bit of a journey around the Bible because faithfulness in the Bible is, is so much more. And people in the Bible were commended for their faithfulness. So we're going to go really quick, right? You, um, yeah, so the first person who's commended I want to look at is Enoch. Now, Enoch's an ancestor of Noah. His, his mention in the Bible was pretty small, but what's really cool is that this guy is noted for his relationship with God. So if you look in Genesis 5, 23 and 24, it says this. Although Enoch lived a total of 365 years, 24 years Enoch walked faithfully with God. And then he was no more because God took him away. That's pretty cool. God just took him away. Whoop. Kind of imagine. He doesn't live as long as the rest of the people who live at that time. And you wonder, I wonder why God took him away. That because of his faithfulness, it's mentioned here that God uh, mentions that specifically. The next person is Noah. In Genesis 6 verse 9, it says this. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. You want another one? Abraham. Pretty big dude in the Bible. Amazing, you know, we are uh, as his uh, descendants, Abraham, in Genesis 17, verse 1. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. It's pretty amazing, right? From a response of faithfulness. Moses. Who's heard of Moses? Yep, it's good. Even if you haven't been around church long, hopefully you'll have heard of Moses. In Numbers 12, verse 6, it says, When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. And this is the first link where we really see a connection between serving and faithfulness. Because faithfulness is a big deal to God. In many of the letters in the New Testament that Paul writes, he identifies the significant ministers of his world as faithful. And the first guy is a guy called Tychicus. He's in Ephesians 6 verse 21. It's a hard name to say. But it says, to bring you up to, the, to date, Tychicus will give you a full report about what I am doing and how I am getting along. He is a beloved brother and faithful helper in the Lord's work. So it's not just Old Testament people, it's in the New Testament as well. We've got in Timothy, Timothy's uh, one of these amazing guys that was really the, the kind of the son of Paul. He talks about him a lot. And in 1 Corinthians 4, 17, it says, this is why I have sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. 
He will remember you of how I follow, uh, sorry, he will remind you of how I follow Jesus Christ, just as I teach in all the churches wherever I go. There's a few more. Paul mentions himself as a faithful teacher. In 1 Timothy 2 verse 7, it's good. He commends Silas as a faithful brother in 1 Peter 5 verse 12. Then John uh, identifies Gaius for his faithfulness in 3 John 1 verse 3. And then the church in Ephesus is commended by Paul for their faithfulness in Ephesians 1.1. So there's a lot of times when faithfulness is mentioned specifically for people in the Bible. And so you start to get the idea that maybe this faithfulness thing is actually quite important. How we look after what God's given us, how faithful we are with what he's entrusted to us matters in eternity. In Hebrews 2, verse 17, it says this, For this reason he, Jesus, had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. See, God desired that even Jesus would be faithful And if we think about it, actually faithfulness is not just this kind of ground level. Faithfulness is a pinnacle. Faithfulness is, it's not just kind of putting out chairs, that maintaining something. That's not faithfulness. Actually, the man who maintained was called unfaithful. But those who grew something, those who grew the gifts, those who grew the things that God had entrusted them, they were the ones that were called faithful. Psalm 116. In verse 15, it says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. Just think about that for the moment. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. See, God really values faithful servants. God values these people that you've given yourself for his cause, that you've laid down your life for his purposes, that you've determined, hey, it's actually not going to be all about me. I'm going to live for his purpose. I'm going to advance through serving. I'm going to believe to live the cause of Christ that he's called me to. And I, I love the thought that actually that's precious in God's sight. That faithful people are precious to God. See, Galatians 5, verse 2 to 25, talks, uh, 22 to 25 talks about the fruits of the Spirit. And faithfulness is listed as one of the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, you'll know love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, faithfulness is a result of God's influence in your life. That actually what's that saying, the fruits of the Spirit are are the things that are outworked or come out of our life, the things that are shown because of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, actually having the Spirit. Faithfulness is something that will be outworked as we do it. Now, what I love is, is it's not like you get to, it's like a pick and choose thing with the fruits of the Spirit. Like, oh, I want love and I want patience and I want self-control, but... Oh, I'm not sure about those other things. Actually, you know, it's like the fruit of the Spirit. One fruit, and that's all of the things. That actually we get all of those things as uh, God's working in through us, as the Spirit works in us. What does faithfulness mean? It's a good question. If we're called to be faithful, what does faithfulness mean? 
In Matthew 25, verse 45, it says, A faithful, sensible servant is one whom the master can give responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. Now, the thing with faithfulness is taking care of what's been entrusted to you. So for this servant, it's uh, looking after the other household servants and feeding them. But faithfulness is taking care of the things that God's entrusted us with. And when we see from this verse that it's actually not just about us. That actually as we steward the things that God's given us, that there's an overflow into the lives of the people that we're in connection with. That as we serve others, as we're faithful with the gifts, that it outworks in the lives of other people as well. The second thing about faithfulness, what does faithfulness really mean? Is taking something and making it grow. See, that's what happened with the, the, the first two men that got the, power, the miners. Uh, they were there making something grow. They took it and they grew things because faithfulness grows things. See, you work that area and you see it develop. It's investing into things. And the, the one who brings back the miner who hasn't done anything with it, he's called unfaithful. The king calls him a wicked servant. That's pretty hard. It's like, yeah, it's like kind of language that makes, oh, actually, not doing something, just kind of maintaining. Actually, God doesn't look upon that and think, oh, yeah, you just looked after it. That's okay. Actually saying, hey, come on. I've made you to be someone who can grow things. I've made you to be someone who can, can uh, gain something more. I've made you to be someone who's using what they've got to be able to reach more people, to be able to have an impact on more. And it's interesting, when you think about a miner, it's a pretty small amount of money. You know, when we think about a talent, that's quite a lot, but a, a miner wasn't very much money. See, I think in this power, one of the things that Jesus is trying to emphasize is the importance of being faithful with small things. Because it's easy to be faithful of something that's quite big, right? You feel that and you're like, okay, God, you've given me this thing. But actually being faithful with little things in our life is important. You know, it's, when you've got your own house... It's really easy to look after it, right? Because you know that if you don't look after it, then you're the one who is worse off, right? Because you don't look after it, it gets damaged, then you're the one who has to pay, you know, you own it, so you have to fix it. But actually, sometimes when we start in a, in a flatting situation, or maybe we're at home under our parents' roof, something happens and we're like, oops, you know, oh, oh well, it's not mine, so does it really matter? You know, and I've flattered for 11 years. I know what flatting's like. But in that moment, you know, the faithfulness in small things, because God wants to entrust us with big things. He wants to entrust us with things of value. You know, maybe it's a car. Maybe it's something you've borrowed. Then actually the, the small things, the things that can kind of go, oh, they're not a really big deal. They're not like that much. They don't worth that much. Do I really need to be faithful or to look after these things? But they're important. Maybe a part-time job when you're at school. See, it seems small, but in those early stages when we're just looking after small things, God's watching and he's saying, hey, I've given them this, and it's only little, but can they be faithful in that thing? 
Can they be faithful in, in turning up on time to their job? Can they be faithful in the way that they interact with the people that they meet? Can they be faithful in that? Because I want to entrust them with all of these things. I want to promote them. I want to give them responsibility over 10 cities. But right now, what I want to see is, are they going to think that this little thing is a big deal? Maybe it's the opportunity of education. You know, I'm a trained primary teacher, so I understand, you know, that actually education is not just a given around the world. That the education that we get in New Zealand is is unbelievable, really. That especially as a female, you know, the proportion of females who get educated in the world is a crazily small number. But actually, the education is, is something of value. You know, when you're a teenager sitting at school and you don't really want to be in science class and your teacher's kind of droning on, how do we feel about those things? Because actually, God's entrusted us with the ability to learn, with the ability uh, to go and to study in things. But how do we use those opportunities and are we faithful with them? Perspective can make a really, really big difference. I think how we view something and how we look at it can make a difference. You know, if you looked at a seed and you just saw it as a tiny thing and not what its potential was, you could easily discount the power of it, right? You looked at it in order to meet your immediate need, it's probably not going to do that. You can't feed yourself just with a seed. But if you look at it in the light of of potential and perspective of what it has to be able to grow and what can come from it, then actually it's a really big thing. You know, a small seed uh, can produce many uh, things or many crops or, or many pieces of fruit. And some of us are in seasons of our life where all we look at and what we think about what's in our life is this kind of all seems like really small things. I don't know about you, but maybe you're in a season where you're like looking around and you're like, God, I, I know that one day I can be entrusted with this. And I feel like right now all I've got is this tiny amount. It's like your finances. When you're a student, it's really easy to think, I haven't got very much. Like I studied for five years. I, I know what it is to be a student. But sometimes we can look at that and we can think, oh, God, I, I don't know. But God's saying, hey, can you be faithful with the amount that I've given you because I want uh, to give you responsibility over greater things. I want to promote you to something more. And this evening, you know, do you see what you have as treasure that you've been entrusted with? Do you see your family as treasure that you've been entrusted with? (laughs) Your siblings, not always easy to see them as treasure. (laughs) Do you see your job, your education, the opportunities that you have? Do you see them as things that you can be faithful and be entrusted with? Because I want to hear, well done from the King. You are a good servant. You've been faithful with the little I entrusted to you. So you will be governor over 10 cities as a reward. See, the man gets a reward for his faithfulness. He's given responsibility over 10 cities. You know, think about the number of people. Imagine, go there in your mind. Imagine how many people live in 10 cities. That actually he's entrusted with things of true riches, people. He's, the king says, I want to give you more. I want to be able to entrust you with things that are really important. And I want to see how you can look after the things that I've given you. 
And both he and the man who get five get promoted because they're faithful with what they have. My question to you tonight is, what has God called you to be faithful with? What's the king entrusted to you? Is it your job? Your family? Relationships that you've got? Opportunities in a work or sporting context? Study or school? What are the things? Because God's saying, hey, actually keeping all of those things in an eternal perspective is really important. That actually how you think about these things in the light of eternity makes a difference. See, if we can only focus on the the kind of here and now, the things that are happening right now in our world, we can be consumed with the things in front of us. That actually sometimes when life is hard, it's like we just, like day by day, we're kind of getting through. But that's where thinking, hey, actually these things are small in the light of eternity. That actually what I'm going through right now seems really hard, but actually when I think about it in the perspective of eternity, it's just a small thing. I've had a, a moment recently that really shifted this for me. I, a month ago, I was sitting at my house on a Friday afternoon and I got a message from my sister uh, who lives here in Christchurch. And she said, our son, who's a year older than Josh, has been diagnosed with leukemia. And for me, in that moment, I was like, oh, like I, couldn't, I just couldn't even do anything. I just sat at the table for ages just being like, oh, God. And I went to the hospital and I've spent a lot of time with them since. And, you know, all of a sudden, they got up in the morning and knew that their son was a little bit unwell, went to the doctor to discover that actually he's got cancer. Now they're believing for God for healing. They're believing that he's going to come through that. The amazing thing is that, you know, actually for, for kids his age to come through that is amazing. But that shifts your perspective in a moment. Right, all of a sudden you're in this moment where you're like, wow, actually all of the things that I was kind of worrying about have shifted because now I get to see it. Are those things really important? I've got this chair. So our little son Josh is a year and a half. There's, I've, there's a chair in his room. We sit there and read stories at night, brush his teeth, those kind of things. But I, sometimes when he's asleep, <laughs> I sneak into his room <laughs> I don't know about you, if any parent will know that like a sleeping baby is like the cutest thing in the entire world, right? <laughs> Who's with me on that one? I'm not the only one here. Yeah, good. <laughs> I'm calling it my perspective chair because sometimes I need a shift in perspective. Sometimes I need to change the way I'm thinking about things because I'm starting to get consumed with like, oh, this thing that I'm facing right now that is important, feels like it's crushing me or that it's overwhelming or, you know, that all of those things, even good things, I'm becoming consumed with these things. But it's like I come into his room and I sit in this chair and I just watch him there sleeping in his bed. And all of a sudden it's like things just realign. It's like I remember, what are the things that are really important? What are the things that really make a difference? You know, maybe it's having a a nephew who's sick, or maybe it's just, you know, God actually wants to realign our perspectives sometimes to believe that actually eternity is the thing that we should be focused on, that God's put a yearning in our heart to believe uh, for relationship with Him so that we can be uh, in eternity with Him in heaven. (laughs) 
I love that God calls us to be faithful, but He is faithful first. In Deuteronomy 7, verse 6 to 9, it says this, You are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be His own special treasure. So He's talking about the people of God. The Lord did not set His heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other nations, for you were the smallest of all nations. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you and He was keeping the oath that He had sworn to your ancestors. This is why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from your slavery and oppressive hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God, that He is a faithful God who keeps His covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes His unfailing love on those who love Him and obey His commands. I love the wording there. God lavishes His love on us. It's not like He just kind of dishes it out sparingly. He lavishes it on us. Actually, God is a faithful God. He's faithful to His Word. He's faithful to care for us. He's a faithful God that we can trust and that He keeps His covenant. That means all the promises that He's made, He keeps those promises because He's a faithful God. And we can hold on to that in moments where things don't feel like they're going very well and things where we're like, God, you said this before and I'm believing that you're faithful, that I can be entrusted with this thing. See, God has eternity in mind. He's in eternity. And He had eternity in mind when He sent Jesus. That The desire was that we would be reunited with Jesus, where we reunited with God. And the way we could do that would be through the sacrifice of Jesus, that we could come back into relationship. And the thing is, it's our choice to choose that. It's our choice to accept the relationship with God. He doesn't force that on us. He says, hey, I'm reaching out. I want you to be with me for eternity in heaven, but I'm reaching out. I want you to choose to come into relationship with me. And that's a decision that each one of us has to make. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.